Hello, and welcome to the Art of Presence podcast. I'm your host, Christine Pollard. Today, I'm joined by Jeanette, and I'm so excited to be with her as she shares an aha moment about something that finally clicked for her that she's been learning about that she's been trying to understand. You find us after we have just finished a meditation in order to bring us into the present moment. And during this episode, you hear the name Rebecca, and that is in reference to our mutual mentor, Rebecca Thompson-Hitt at the Consciously Parenting Project. And we talk about her brain stoplight, which is green being the thinking brain, yellow being the emotional brain, and red being the survival brain. Just to give you a little context for this episode, I invite you to notice what comes up for you as you listen, and please feel welcome to share with us. I hope you enjoy this episode. And now I ask you, what's present for you right now? Well, first of all, thanks for the, the meditation. It was it, it was really good. Well, Thank you. you know, I've just uh, like not too long ago finished a healing story circle. It was awesome. So, and I've uh, I have a hard time with the yellow, you know. Uh, red, yellow, green, like I have a hard time um, identifying yellow and what to do with yellow. Like green is easy, even red, like I've been (laughs) practicing and training what to do when I'm in red. But even yellow, it's even difficult for me to identify it. And today we had uh, one of the, the mothers uh, bring a, a situation with her young daughter. You know, like the mother has had it. So then Rebecca explained, like it was so clear that the mother is in her green, her thinking brain, while her little girl is in is in the emotional brain. So whatever, whatever the mother says, the little girl won't get it. Like that was so mm-hmm. clear for me. I'm so happy for, for that share. You know, mm-hmm. the mother when she was little, she'd go to school and ask for her big brother. So the teachers mm-hmm. would send her her big brother, and he would put his arm around her and he would console her. So Rebecca's, you know, she said, well, that's something you can do. You don't have to try and fix it because sometimes it's it's unfixable, you know. So that's why the mother, she was there trying to find solutions and no solution worked, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's so clear, you know. That was so. Yeah. That was a question and I didn't even really know how to ask the question, you know, like I didn't really know what I wanted. And then it was just presented to me <laughs> like that. So, yeah, that's where I am right now. Really. Yeah, I see your excitement. Yeah. At this clicking, because it's something you've been questioning and bringing up for a while now. 
really wanting to understand this concept of yellow and, and noticing what someone is capable of doing when they're in yellow or the emotional brain. We're referencing Rebecca's uh, brain stoplight and yellow being the emotional brain. And it sounds like this story helps you connect that even if the mother is in green and accessing her problem solving, the child was not. The child was in yellow and the child needed to be met in yellow, right? Not with solutions. And um, it became really clear for you with that example. Yeah, it did. Because Rebecca, like, you know, like I took her month-long course there and uh, of uh, healing your relationship. And so we really went deeply into the spotlights, you know, but I, yellow still wasn't clear for me. And Rebecca, me, I always wanted, thought I had to be on green. I was always aiming for the green. And she said, no. Mm like deep mm-hmm. connections happen on yellow. I couldn't understand it, you know, but now I understand. Mm-hmm. Like if the mother, and, and I can even go back in my life and feel at the times that somebody was just there for me when I was upset in my emotional and just held me or saying, okay, it's you're going to be okay. Like I, now I get, the real connections, you know, I, I get the connection. Mm. It's far deeper than, than being mm. on green. I understand it now. I'm going to have to write it and, and put it on, on it, it, for me, it's a big aha moment. Like, yeah. mm. mm-hmm. So it sounds like green was kind of this ideal place mm-hmm. that's like, I should always be on green and. Yeah which just means constantly regulated. But the reality is that we experience so many different states of being at any given time. And it's information, right? The stoplight helps us to gauge where we are and what we might be needing, whether we're in survival and red and, you know, totally not even access to thinking at all just reactions, right? And needing safety. And yellow can look like so many different things depending on the person. It's that can be, you know, a dysregulated state or just a very emotional state. And, you know, green being more calm and regulated, but it's also learning how to navigate those states so that if you notice you're you're not regulated, what are things you can do to help you? And I hear you um, resonated with this story because even you growing up, if you had someone there to just be there with you when you were upset, it made a big difference. Yeah. And that that connection was sounds like it was soothing. Re- very one of one of my nicest moments in my life, if I look back, 
every time that happened, it was, and I, I had, I know what Rebecca means now when she says that it's a deep connecting moment on yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's such a, a range of emotions. The, when you're explaining like that, it, it's like, it's a full circle for me, you know, uh, to help understand <laughs> what, what's happening. Mm. Yeah. Something that I found interesting when I was, I was taking a course on um, the neurobiology of relationships and how play is still activating the, the sympathetic nervous system, but it's a safe activation. Whereas, you know, if we're scared or, you know, something is upsetting us, then it's, it's in that unsafe activation. So I, it had never occurred to me that I guess I had always thought that sympathetic nervous system was bad. Like you don't want to go there, but that's not entirely true. It's that with safety, that's where you experience like fun and play. And so I, yeah, I always found that really interesting to see it in that perspective. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up because like play can, you can, you can, that's what you mean, eh? You can be, somebody can reach you through play when you're in yellow, Mm -hmm. when you're upset. Yeah. And I think it helps to meet the person in their state. So if someone's in survival, right, you can't, can't talk to them. They're not going to hear you. Same with someone's really emotional. They want to be met where they are. So if it's survival, you know, bringing in safety or just talking in really short and like directive sentences because there's no brain processing power happening, right? Right. So when we're in our green, you know, thinking brain, trying to reason with someone that's on red, we're not meeting them. Oh, you know, (laughs) same with when someone's emotional and they just want to connect or trying to solve their problems. We're still not meeting them. But when we're regulated together and meet each other there, then we can work together and cooperate and problem solve together. Yeah. (laughs) But it, it's it's not always easy to do it, right? No. <laughs> no, as with all things, I think it takes a lot of practice. Uh, to be able to identify, say, oh, right now, I cannot regulate and I cannot be there in the way you need me, you know, or, you know, to, to mm-hmm. mention that. That's a, a, mm-hmm. a different step. Than saying, oh, you're such a crybaby, you know, or whatever. Like my dad yeah. sometimes, he'd lose patience and he says, do you want me to give you something to cry about? You know, like, you know what I, he, <laughs> right. he, for him, like, stop exactly. whining, you know. Yeah. 
yeah joining you and <laughs> instead of you know a supportive place getting sucked into the dysregulation instead of being a a co-regulator yeah but it's information and when you talked about the little girl you know rebecca's first principle of all behaviors communication clearly there's something happening for her and I think it's hard as a parent to see your child upset and feeling powerless to do anything about it and and to just want it to go away. Like yeah. because it can be draining supporting feelings. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, definitely. And you know, boundaries and self-care for you know, ourselves so that we can provide that support. Um sometimes we don't have it. Right. We certainly weren't, that was, that information wasn't there when we were growing up and much less my parents and, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it just seems like we're so used to, as a society, judging behavior that we don't take the time to understand the needs underneath, you know, why it's even happening. Or we might have our own story about why it's happening or judgment about why it's happening. And when we can step back and, again, meet the other person, see from their perspective what's going on. And, you know, sure, our own feelings might come up. We might be frustrated that our kid has this perfectionistic outlook. Maybe we feel responsible for that or... Like, oh no, my kid, I'm not giving my kid what they need or whatever it is, you know, then our own stuff can get activated. And then it's not even about the child, right? It's it's our own stuff taking over. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> mm. Wow. And so few people are doing it. It's not out there in the public. And you know, I was working with nurses and doctors, like professional people, and they don't have it more. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I remember once a doctor, like she used to eat with us, and she went downtown at the store, <laughs> and a little boy was having a tantrum on the floor. She was so angry. She says, I just felt like taking him and giving him a spanking. Like, I understood her, but, like, I knew, I, 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 I realized I knew more than what she did, you know. So even if you are a doctor, you don't know everything. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what you've been taught. <laughs> and they don't teach this. But it's it's that emotion when you when you see that it just hits you right it just goes into you and mm -hmm. ooh so I guess mm -hmm. everybody has that mm -hmm. a lot of people anyways yeah and it takes a lot of a lot of practice and a lot of work to do it mm -hmm. to 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 go through that yeah. There's someone, um, I like their teachings. His name is Thomas Hubel, and he talks about responsibility as res 
response ability, like your ability to respond, as opposed to these reactionary automatic that just comes out. And it's hard to pause that because it is automatic, right? It is. And that whoosh that kind of comes over us. It's you a, just feel like grabbing him sometime, yeah? Grabbing the, the <laughs> child. Or, it, it, it all comes at the same time, eh? Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting, like, someone's response to that, how aggravated someone can be with a child crying. Whether it's on an airplane <laughs> or in a store <laughs> at a restaurant. Yes. You know, there's so much of wanting to control a child's behavior because it's disruptive or loud or it makes us uncomfortable. And and when I think about babies in general, how uncomfortable it is to hear a baby cry. And it's always the, how do we get it to stop? But that's the baby's way of communication because I didn't even know I didn't know this when I had my first that babies even had needs other than you know food and sleep and diaper changes from getting a bath you know it was like okay that that's all they need no they have whole emotional lives and I didn't even know it you know (laughs) they have feelings (laughs) Stuff's hard for them, and their only way to communicate it is is through crying. And just like when we have a hard time and we want to be heard, we want someone to listen, be there with us. So does a baby. And it takes them a while sometimes. It's not instant. You know, it's like, oh, I'm here. I've given you what you need. You should be fine. And it's this expectation that we're putting on a, a baby that we have higher expectations for babies dealing with their feelings than we have for ourselves. When you see people that get so aggravated with a baby crying and then they start having a tantrum, right? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. (laughs) And just imagine like the minute they're born, like, when my kids were born, I was thinking about me, you know, what I went through <laughs> and the pain. And I never thought that about the baby. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm like ashamed to say it, but I didn't think of what the baby had went through. That's It wasn't even mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, society in general, right, we don't really consider a baby's experience it's just what it is yeah that we assume that if we if we even go to a baby having its own experience we assume it to be our own (laughs) experience right? right not that it had its own completely different experience of the same event yeah and that's that was mind-blowing for me when I learned that. But it makes sense. I'm like, of course. Of course a baby has its own experience. Like, why wouldn't it? It's a 
it's a full human at birth. You know, and then you start but, thinking, you know, I'm gonna go through a little hole like that, and oh, what he ate—it's <laughs> true. Yeah, just how different, you know, bright lights and loud sounds and smells and all this weird—you know—it's completely alien. And then we expect them to not have feelings about it. Like, oh, I was all comfy and and fed and warm and and now I have none of those things constantly. <laughs> and now I have to communicate. <laughs> yeah, like I'm I'm washed, I'm fed, I'm warm, but now I want to tell you what ha- what I lived. You know, I want to. Th- mm-hmm. We're like that too, eh? Mm-hmm. Like. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about our big experiences. Right. And it sure exactly. took a long time for the world to wake up <laughs> somehow. I feel like maybe more indigenous cultures have had more of an understanding of this. Perhaps. You think so? Um, yeah, at least some of them. Just from a little bit that I've learned, you know, even just parenting styles and, and, you know, when you're part of a tribe, mm-hmm. you're all considering each other. And I forget which, which nationality it was, but there was one where I think Gaber Mate talks about this. If someone in the village or the tribe became ill, they would all apologize and recognize that something is off in the village and that it's showing the symptoms through that person and that they all need to regulate, become aware and acknowledge what it is and come together. Wow. That's big. Wow. Yeah. So I feel like there's just a a different understanding of life that that maybe colonialism or patriarchy or I don't know what it is has kind of powered over. Because we don't have, in general, that sense of community and and looking out for or understanding one another's experience. But in healing story circles, you know, that's why we come. We f- have felt that missing in our lives. And now we come together to witness each other, to hear each other, to co-regulate to heal. Mm-hmm. I want to go live in with a tribe. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what I think I hear you saying is you would like a more connected, aware community around you. Yes. Yeah, I would. Yeah. So I guess I'll have to start Me too. creating it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 
I think you already are. But like not at home, you know, mm -hmm. not so much at home, like with my neighbors. Uh, I'm thinking about it like ways. Uh, yeah. Can I tell you? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, can I tell you about tell a, a, pro a project I've I've been thinking of? Would yeah. that be okay? Um, you know, it's cold here, eh, in Quebec. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, l lately, uh, there was a big, big storm, ice, uh, an ice storm, you know, mm. where uh, mm -hmm. icy water go gets on the the electric wires and. So uh, a lot of people, not here, not not in my part of the world, but around Montreal, thousands of people were cut off for for days. Mm. You know, Ooh. so geez, I started and I I I got some feedback about it, and so I'm starting to I, I started to think, what would I do? You know, what would I do if we had mm -hmm. no power? So I'm starting to I'm I'm starting a project where I'm going to find out you know what to do and and help myself and then start talking with my neighbors about it and and a lot of people like find out what's easy and you know when you go on YouTube the there are like those the stories just keep coming about like what you need for water. <laughs> are, are you prepared for that? You uh, in the States? Because I know a lot of people are prepared for hur hurricanes or that, mm -hmm. that we don't Depending have on which part of the U.S. Okay. Yeah, we get ice storms here in the winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we can get ice storms here in the winter, um, hurricanes in the summer. So we personally at my house have like an emergency food cabinet stash. <laughs> yeah. We don't keep a ton, yep. but we keep enough. Um, and so we just replenish that regularly so that we always have some emergency food on hand. And so we have, you know, like a, a gas grill. So if we have to cook something outside or um, we fill up, like if, if we know something's coming, we will fill up bathtubs so that we can, I have a well here. So when oh. the electricity goes out, we, we don't have water. So we have to, um, you know, fill jugs for drinking water and we fill bathtubs, um, for using, for flushing the toilet. Your well won't work? No, um, because the well pump that gets the water out, uh, runs electric. on electricity. Wow. Mm -hmm. hmm. We're looking at getting like a manual pump for emergencies, um, but we haven't done that yet. Some people have generators so that it will run their pump. Um, just depends. Some people hmm. aren't prepared. And, and that's when you see everyone, you know, flocking to grocery stores and, and hardware stores to get, you know, propane and groceries and generators yeah. and um, toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, we'll see that. <laughs> <Right. laughs> 
That's what I'm I'm checking, and I, you know what I find. It's a nice community project. I find, uh, mm. yeah, I'll connect. With, it'll make it help me get to know people and connect people. I'm I'm really excited about yeah. my project. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see it. Your face is lit up <laughs> as you're talking about it. And there's a big smile. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that thought of connecting with your neighbors, it sounds meaningful. I already uh, like got my sister on board. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because her too, she lives alone in her house. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not something here in Canada. Like we don't have hurricanes and those big, big storms. So there's, there's no, nobody, nobody's ready for that. We're all having this beautiful, mm. carefree life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I love your idea because instead of A, not knowing what to do if something happened, B, not having to figure it out yourself and deal with it by yourself. That if you educate yourself on what you can do and get your neighbors on board and know that you can rely on each other mm-hmm. instead of just feeling stuck alone, not knowing what to do, that right. sounds very empowering. Right. It does. And it's like, it was different, like, you know, COVID, that's something that could have turned out wrong to go see my neighbors about that, you know, about anything mm-hmm. that had to do with COVID. But the electricity, the power, that's so neutral and it happens to everybody. It could it would everybody would be concerned. Mm-hmm. So that's another nice project that just came out like that. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and I think about even <laughs> even the the brain stoplight, right? Like emergency situations and how people can be all over, you know, brain states. And oh. when you know, when you feel a little prepared and and you know that it's not all on you and you mm. can work together like it helps to to co-regulate, right? <laughs> right, right. Because it's really stressful to feel like you're all on your own and you have to figure it out by yourself. Right, you know, and or or end up uh, in a school with a whole bunch of people. Um, you know, if ever it happens, that's that's not like a shelter. Yeah, that's not something I look forward to. <laughs> I would like to get, uh, and I had never thought about it just since that last uh, big storm we had in April, imagine. Oh, really? Yes. It just happened in April, the big icy storm. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, can we talk about you now? Like, yeah. What are your plans with with the podcast? 
I don't have a lot of plans. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just going to keep doing this. Experiment. You know, seeing who will. Yeah, experiment, exactly. See who is willing to have a conversation with me and put it out there and see how it goes. And I just enjoy the conversation, so it's really a, a no-lose situation for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, as long as there's someone willing to listen. Um, but it's kind of like taking a healing story circle into a personal conversation. So, yeah, I see you know, that, that the way listening you- and questions and um, shared humanity. Reflecting. You're using a lot of that tool, mm-hmm. eh? That's important mm-hmm. for you? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my main purpose of this podcast is to model listening skills and... Um, mm-hmm curiosity non-judgment <laughs> um because yeah it's hard to know how to do that sometimes do you use reflecting in your day-to-day life with your daughters i do yep yeah so it's a no it's a reflex for you by now not always um i have the hardest time with my husband <laughs> Because there's such a history. Um, I have to like get in the right mindset. So I can do it. It's just um, with him, I still have an impulse to fix a lot of times. Um, especially if there's like a complaint, like a continued complaint about something. And I'm like, okay, then let's, you know, come up with a solution and have to... I'll be like, I just want you to listen. Oh, right, right. Okay. Um, let me reflect a little bit. <laughs> what I hear you saying is this, and it's really frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But just more practice, right? This is a practice. Yeah. But yeah, just putting a model out there for people, for relating to one another. That's my hope anyway. It's like reflecting, uh, like I'm using it more and more with my mother. And I really find, yeah, it it brings out humanity. Eh? When you reflect, the, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. my mother, I know she feels more listened to. Mm-hmm. Like, and I take the time, you, t- you have to take the time to, to be present with the person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a felt difference, right? You feel that difference when someone's present with you versus just like dealing with you, right? <laughs> right. Trying to fix you to get rid of you, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm feeling our presence, right? Our presence. Oh, yeah. Me too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the reflecting that we've been doing in Healing Story Circles, you know, it goes beyond just mirroring. You know, we're not just parroting back exactly what we hear the other person say. But we're really attuning to that person. We're really listening for what's really there, you know. And we're we're listening with our whole bodies. We're taking in 
the nonverbal communication and using that to inform us and to provide the content for our reflection. You know, because if, if someone's having trouble deciding between something and they're talking about it and they're like, ugh, as they're talking about it, and then they talk about another option and they're like lit up and excited about it, you can reflect back like, hey, I noticed your body was doing this when you talked about this and your body did this when you were talking about that. Not to persuade them in any way, just it's an observation, right? Like, I don't know if you noticed that, but I, that's what I saw, you know. That can be powerful information for someone. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Maybe that's why I'm having a hard with reflecting. Because maybe I'm not present enough to the person. Like, I'm wondering what, what is so difficult for me. Uh, hmm. I want to. I really want to reflect, you know. And I'm starting to realize things are starting to come that uh, you just have to be present with the person. So I, maybe I wasn't present enough. I was more in my brain, in my head, saying, what am I going to mm -hmm. say? What am I going to say? And I was not breathing and taking the time to feel what was going on. Mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. Do you put pressure on yourself to, like, reflect a certain way? or <laughs> Of course, I do. <laughs> And, you know, like at school, an English conversation, uh, English uh, uh, co composition and everything, I was so good at it. Mm. I was really good. <laughs> and now, like, I, uh, and it's been like six years, you know. Mm. Six years since what? Well, since I'm, I'm, I'm with uh, Rebecca. Doing story healing, healing story circles. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What I love about healing story circles is getting so many reflections from different people because there isn't the pressure to have the right, the right reflection or a, a good reflection because you know, whatever your reflection is, is, is enough. And with multiple reflections, it just, it's like synergistic. It, it's not, you know, adding, but it has this synergistic effect of, you know, I, I don't know. It's just really powerful. I think. Oh yeah, definitely. And for me, it relieves the pressure of like, I have to reflect something specific or, has to sound a certain way or, you know, I'm always surprised at what someone else picks up on that I don't pick up on. And part of me will be like, wow, what's wrong with me that I didn't pick that up. But at the same time, I'm like, well, that's why we have multiple people because we're all going to pick up something different. And when we each reflect something back, like how full, you know, that is for that person, how rich, an experience to have so many different kinds of reflection. But what do you think, why do you think you can reflect so easily? Like, I remember when you were just a member, I was amazed by <laughs> you. And I told you, like, 
Mm. I couldn't get over it. <laughs> it just comes out. It just comes out. I don't you know. No- I don't even remember back then. No, I don't remember. I mean, I feel like I just started with what I heard, right? I just started there. You know, what I heard you say was, and reflect those things back. Um, I don't remember if it was more involved than that at that point. But since then, I've been working on, you know, like Rebecca has been teaching us, reflecting from the heart, reflecting from the gut, uh, reflecting, you know, what you see, someone's body language, tone of voice, um, what you feel like, what's coming up for you, how did it make you feel, and, you know, connecting with that. <laughs> Today, her three reflections were awesome. You know, I was saying, geez, I'd love to to do that. You know, I wish I was like that. It was awesome. Mm. No more, no less. You know, she doesn't <laughs> ramble on and on. Just she perfect. just says what, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've heard you and... I've always appreciated your reflections. And really? <laughs> Thank you. Like I said, everyone everyone has their own way of doing it. Everyone picks up on something a little different. And um whatever that is in you, you know, bringing that in and that's an asset. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. But I hear this comparison or a hope of, of what you would like it to sound like or be like. And, and I guess I just encourage you to be you because that's what we want. We want you to show up as you and reflect as you and your own personal take on it, you know, will be so authentic and whatever you're, you know, resonating with or picking up on that you reflect back, I think is there for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And it's all powerful. I don't think there's any like reflection that's lesser than, you know? Right. It's all witnessing, it's all connection, it's all presence, you know? And that's such a gift. Mm-hmm. For the sake of practice, what um what's something you're taking with you from this conversation? How easy it was. Mm. How it was so easy. Was that easy surprising? <laughs> talking with you, speaking with you. I came in with the, no, it was like as if I was talking with my sister. Really, mm. it was so easy. Like, that. that's amazing for me. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm touched. <laughs> And I'm I'm glad that it was easy for you and not not anxiety producing or no. <laughs> anything. Not at all. Yeah. I really in- enjoyed this conversation and, and your honesty and your questions and um yeah, just your eagerness to, to share, you know, where you're at and, and what's going on for you and um that is really beautiful. So thank you for 
doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm really happy to have done it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think you're going to have a lot of success. Oh, thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A little bit more about Jeanette. She's a grandmother, recently retired, and a holistic family consultant at the Consciously Parenting Project. She lives in Quebec, Canada. Something that really stood out for me in this episode was when we were talking about regulation, and there seems to be a lot of misunderstandings around what that term means. So I just wanted to share a little bit more about regulation and what that means to me. There are some misconceptions about what it means to be regulated, and sometimes the perception is that regulated means calm and grounded or peaceful, but that isn't always the case. To really be regulated is to notice what's going on for you and to meet that. So if you are sad, it's being with the sadness. If you're excited, it's being with the excitement. And it's your body's capacity to feel your feelings and sensations. So in parenting or in life, with more nervous system education, there seems to be this idea about constantly needing to be regulated, meaning that calm state. And that's just not true. When you are upset or feeling intense feelings, the answer isn't always to just make the feelings go away or to calm yourself down and not feel those things. But instead, it's to go with the feeling to ride the wave of the feeling all the way through. I hope you found that helpful, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for being here. I would love to hear what came up for you as you spent time with Jeanette and I, and I hope you'll join us for the next episode.